communication with God. That's the most basic type of prayer. There are, um, there are four different types of prayer. And this is from my study. So th- there are four different types of prayer. The first is the prayer with thanksgiving. Psalms 104, 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Sorry, I'm having to tangle with this thing. <laughs> enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So I can't even enter into his gates or his presence if I don't enter it with thanksgiving. So what good does prayer do me, do me if I can't get into his presence? And the only way I can get into his presence is with thanksgiving. And so I would like to turn your attention to Philippians 4.6. I think she has it on the board. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Philippians 4.6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. I have one more verse to prove this point. Colossians 4, verses, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch the same in thanksgiving. So, as we could see, there's a prayer of thanksgiving. Everybody agree with that? Prayer of thanksgiving. And what that is, is I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for all you have done, all you will do. And I just enter into your gates with thanksgiving. The second type of prayer is a prayer of faith. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please God. Again, what good is prayer if I can't even please God? The only way I can please God is through faith. So there's a prayer of faith, James 5, 14 through 15. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with, the, with oil in the name of the Lord. Next verse. That's two verses. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, there shall be forgi- they shall be forgiven him. So we have a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer of faith. The third is a prayer of petition. Philippians 4, 6, I already mentioned it. Let your request be made known unto God, or petition. <clears throat> I bring the Lord, I, bring, I come before the Lord with my needs. But the problem is, this is where we get derailed and sidetracked sometimes. If all I ever do is bring my petition to God, God is not interested in healing me and then going on about his merry way. You may can fool God. I mean, you may, you may can fool me, but you can't fool God. Because he knows, um, Hebrews 4.12, he knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. So he knows what your heart is intending by your prayer. But we need to learn how to ask God for what he needs and not what we need. We see this exemplified in the Lord's Prayer. Um, uh, thy, will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not what I need, God, it's what you need. How can your kingdom come in my life? How can your will be done in my life? What do you want to do today? And he must increase and I must decrease. I need to take the focus off of my needs and put the focus on his needs. I've never thought about that like that before, that God has needs and I need to ask him what his need is. But that's true because we need to come before the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do today? Not I need this and I need that and bring him a dirty laundry list of all the things I need him to do. But I, I come before him and I say, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come as it is in heaven, so let it be in earth. Okay, so you have the prayer petition, the prayer of faith, and the prayer of thanksgiving. Fourth type is praying in the spirit. And I, 
We have heard some tremendous preaching and teaching on Wednesday night from Pastor Moats on praying in the Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So praying in the Spirit is according to the will of God. Romans 8.26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And the only way he can do that is when I pray in the Spirit. And in Revelation, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So I believe that all of these prayers are very applicable to our lives and in our prayer walks. Amen. The question is, which one do I use in a certain situation? But I, I, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's all, a, all of them in one. In order to see something happen in my life, I believe it takes them all. And the question is, what's a good name? And I, I don't guess it really matters what the name is, but I came up with a name based in the word, and I believe it's called again praying. Again praying is putting thanksgiving, faith, petition, and praying in the spirit all in one. Let's go to James five seventeen through 18. So we know the story, or maybe we don't. Uh, Elijah uh, was praying the Lord would send a rain on the, on the, wherever he was, Israel, I guess. And uh, he had to go again seven times before the Lord, before even he saw a, a cloud the size of a man's hand. And so that's where I get the thought, again, praying. And in James it says, Elias was a man, so to like passions, passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained out on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth a fruit. So the thing is, if we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, revival break out, we have to pray again. It doesn't say pray unto, until. And I feel like this is where we get off sometimes. Well, I'm going to pray until something breaks. I'm going to pray until something happens. But what happens when it's happened? God still wants a relationship with you. Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But how is it going to follow me if I stop praying? The only way for surely goodness and mercy to follow me is if I pray again and again and again and again. Even after I've seen my miracle, I can just keep on praying. Amen. Amen. But how, I asked you to repeat a phrase, prayer and, prayer and revival. How does this relate to revival? John 11, 41 through 45, I believe will give us this answer. You got it? Okay. Then they took away the stone from the place where he was laid, where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Stop right there. Go back. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. What does that sound like to you? Thanksgiving. Sounds like it to me. That's the first step. I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. What does that sound like? Faith. Sounds like it to me. So we got thanksgiving and faith. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. 
And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, stop there, come forth. That's his petition. Okay, and obviously Jesus is a little different on prayer because he is the Spirit of God. And so he was praying in the Spirit the whole time he was praying this prayer. Amen. So you got verse 41, thanksgiving, verse 42, faith, verse 43, petition, and all of these are praying in the Spirit. And when that happened, Lazarus came forth. But we have to examine verse 45, 44, okay. And he that was dead um, came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, unto, yeah, unto them, loose him and let him go. See, the thing is, sometimes even though our miracle came forth, doesn't mean that we have access to our miracle. Let me tell you what I mean. Genesis 22, 9 through 14. Did I not give you that one? I'm sorry. Genesis 22, 9, 9 through 14. I got it right here. And they came to the place. This is Abraham offering Isaac um, to God. And they came to the place which God had told them him of and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here am I and he said lay not thine hand on on the lad neither do thou anything unto him for thou for now I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son thine only son from me and Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a... See, let me, let me read verse 13 again. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And there's a colon there because Abraham had a choice to make. So... He could either release, he could either unbind the intended sacrifice, which was the, the ram. So he could either unbind it so that, the, so that the promise could be released, or he could keep the promise bound so that the sacrifice would be released. And God, and he, and God asked us to unbind our sacrifice sometimes and bring it to the altar so that he can remove it from us. And when that happens, the promise can can be released for its purpose. But a lot of times we think the, the sacrifice is too hard to bring to the altar. And what happens is we, we leave our promise on the altar. Can you imagine as Abraham would go over there to the ram and try to bring it to the altar? That would be a very difficult task. I've been around some goats. We used to have two um, goats. One was Billy and one was Baby, I think. And those goats were some rowdy goats. And can you imagine trying to get this goat by the horns and bring it over there to the altar, lay it down, tie it, and then try to kill it? Sounds pretty difficult to me. <laughs> but it's the same way it is with our sin. Sometimes it's a lot easier said than done. But the thing is, when we unbind our sacrifice and lay it on the altar, then God will unbind our promise and release us to our potential. Amen. That was good. Come on, somebody. 
<laughs> For Abraham, it was that he would be a father of many nations and that in blessing, God would bless him and in multiplying, God would multiply him. But for us, what happens when we bring our sacrifice to the altar? We have to, we have to re, uh, read John 11, verse 45. Anybody else hot? I'm burning up. John 11, verse 45. Can you go back? Okay, so after, after Lazarus is raised and they bring him forth and he said, loose him and let him go, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did after they had unbound him, believed on him. So the thing that happens when we unbind our sacrifice and release our promise is we see revival. Right. Believe on him. That's revival. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. In, in order to know what will happen to us, I already said that, my bad. Prayer takes us to a new dimension of power that we can call Lazarus to come forth. Right. Amen. Amen. Prayer can allow us to do things that are not physically or humanly possible, but it's called again praying. And when I begin to pray again and again and again and again until even after something happens, then then you can see revival. Then you can see Lazarus come forth. Then you can see sign wonders and miracles happen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We read in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, how God poured out his spirit upon all flesh. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. But how does God pour out his spirit? It never tells us how, it just tells us what he's going to do. He said he's going to pour it out upon all flesh, but it never said how. The way he does this is through the church. For the word poured seems to indicate the pouring of water. And this is where I'm going to need a little help from the audience. They know what to do. Poured seems to indicate water. And the Bible calls us vessels of honor unto God. A vessel holds water. Vessels of honor hold the Holy Ghost. They're going to help me out here. But what good is a vessel of water if it can't be used to drink out of? I need this on that. And that just go on the ground. Or put it underneath this. Yeah. Okay. And I need you to hold this one cup. This cup here. Okay, what good is a vessel of what good is a vessel of water if we can't drink out of it, and what good is a vessel of honor if we're not spreading the Holy Ghost? The Bible says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, as I referenced earlier. So, if I, as a vessel, am not pouring out to others, then I am not fulfilling my purpose. But when I learn how to again pray, God always allows me to overflow. Okay, when I get the Holy Ghost. Just give us a little squirt right there. Okay, now I got the Holy Ghost. But the thing is, when I, agree, when I again pray, I begin to overflow. 
and it goes into all the vessels of the world. Thank you. That's all I needed. Amen. <laughs> but you have to learn how to again pray in order to see the revival that God wants you to have. I believe God has a special revival for Weeches, Texas, but it's time for us to learn how to pray again and again and again until we overflow. Amen. Amen. Uh, the only way to overflow, however, is to get in the flow. Amen. Because you have to get in the flow to overflow. But the only way to get in the flow without drowning is by laying aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Because I'm not about to get in a rushing river if I got weight tied around my legs. So it's the same way with the Spirit. I have to lay aside every weight. And the way I get rid of this, now watch this. <laughs> this is powerful. The way I get rid of this is by asking God to forgive me. And guess what happens when he forgives me? He takes it from the flow and he casts it to the dead, dry sea of forgetfulness. And he forgets about it. So when I lay aside every weight, then I can get in the flow so that I can overflow. And when I overflow, it begins to spread. Maybe this is what John meant when he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. We need to learn how to get in the flow so that God can pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes when we're swimming in the, in the flow, it gets hard for us to see. I have many experiences at the lake and different places, and when I would swim and I didn't have goggles, it's very murky. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's hard to see through the water. It's very... But God reveals his glory and his power to the ones that, are, that have been in the flow. Because in the flow, you must walk by faith and not by sight. And so it doesn't matter if it's blurry or not, still I'm walking by sight, not faith. It's like Moses. He was in the flow as a young child. They put him in the, this Bible says, the brink of the, the river, or in the, in, the, in the river. Then Pharaoh, uh, when he, when he degree, decreed that all the, the, the um, children, Israelite children two years and old, uh, two years and younger, excuse me, to be killed, he didn't kill Moses. Why? Because he had been in the flow. Because there is safety when you get in the flow. Even though it may be above your head and you're swimming, God protects those that are in the flow. And it makes a turnaround effect in Moses' life. Many years, many years later, as he's leading the people out of the land of Egypt, he comes to another flow. It's called the Red Sea. And he said, I'm not scared of this flow because I've already been in the flow back a long time ago. Sometimes when you've not been in the flow, it's scary to, be, to get in the flow because you don't know if you're going to drown. But when you've already been in the flow, it's like God just opened a way. I'm going to go to the flow. I'm getting in the flow. <laughs> he didn't panic or give up hope because he had already been in the flow a long time ago. Amen. The flow is where miracles, signs, and wonders happen. The flow is where revival begins to break out. The flow, <laughs> you got to get in the flow in order to see great, powerful moves of the Holy Ghost. You want to know why you saw those miracles? Because somebody was getting in the flow. The flow of the Holy Ghost. And how do I get in the flow of the Holy Ghost? Is called, again, praying. God, get me in the flow. And I'm not going to quit until I'm submerged in the flow. Because the power is in the flow. The demonstration 
unction is in the flow. The gifts of the Spirit are in the flow. The anointing is in the flow. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to get in the flow of the Holy Ghost tonight and let it just flow through you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want it to flow through me so that he can pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. I want to see revival so bad, but I can only see revival if I've been in the flow. Hallelujah. I got to get in the flow in order to see revival. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn your attention to 2 Kings 5, 10 through 11. Man, you're fast. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. He said, go back. He said, go and get in the flow of the Jordan and wash seven times. And see, this is, this is proof that you have to again pray. Because he said it, didn't, it wasn't the first time that he got his miracle. Even though he was in the flow, it wasn't his first time, second time, third time. But it was the seventh time. Because God sometimes just wants to see if you'll hang in there and pray again before he gives you your miracle. Amen. And thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. He was mad. See, sometimes I get mad too because... I don't want to go to the flow because flow is kind of scary sometimes. Flow, I have to bring my sacrifice to the altar and completely give it up to God because if I have a weight on me, then I drowned. And so before I get in the flow, it's, it's kind of a scary thought. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. See, the flow isn't always convenient. The flow isn't always convenient. I'll say it again. The man of God may not always come out to you and tell you where the flow is. He just told. He just sent a messenger to you and told you to go get in the flow. Call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Go to 14. Then he went down. Then went he down, Naaman. Then Naaman went down. And he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. He was again praying, praying again, praying again, praying again, seven times, praying again. And it's unique that he, pray, he, he dipped himself seven times, and Elijah had to pray seven times before God sent the rain. And so it just seems to confirm the fact that we have to do it again. And so that, that's what I said earlier. The, there, there's powerful prayer opportunities in Thanksgiving, faith, petition, and uh and um, whatever the, the spirit, but um, it only you can only bring them all into one in order to get into the flow and see revival if you do it again and again and again and again, because in order to perfect something, you have to do it over and over and over again. If I only do something, if I only quoted one time and quizzed one time, I would not be very good at it because I, I just have never done it very much, but since I quoted over and over and over and over, when I get to that quiz board, then I'm able to show what I've learned through my many times of doing it again and again and again. And it's the same way with God. When you are at home and you pray again and you pray again and you pray again and you, pray and you fast again and you fast again and you dip yourself in the water again and you get in the flow again, then when you show up to church, God just blows it up and signs, wonders, and miracles happen. It's only when you pray again. 
Hallelujah. Dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Because when you get in the flow, it's not just for other people. You can be, you can be healed. You can be delivered. You can be made clean. Amen. It can wash you white as snow when you get in the flow. Hallelujah. There's nothing like the power of the flow. I heard a man of God say one time, and I probably won't get it right. He had he was on this vacation, and they were on some kind of rafting vacation in the mountains or something like that. And he was in this he was on the mountain looking down at this at this river. And his two um, team leaders uh, were sitting there on the bank of the um, mountain looking over at the flow. And he said, he come over to them. He said, why, what are y'all doing and, uh, looking at the river? Like it's the same river as you saw two days ago when you led the other party through. Why are you looking at it? Because, and, and, and they told him, they said, we try to find the deepest place of the river because that's the safest place to cross. That's what he said. He said, because that's where there's not as much, I don't really know why, but I know that they said it's easier to cross when you're deeper. That's what he said. So I don't know. You can take that as you want to, but <laughs> because it would seem to make sense that being shallower would be easier to cross. But he said that the man that has done this many, many times, he said it's easier to cross when you get into the deepest place of the flow. Amen. And that's the same thing with the spiritual spiritual life. It's it's that's where that's where you see miracles happen on a more regular basis because you've been in the flow more and more and more and more. And you just build up your muscles and you, as you begin to paddle through that deepest place of the flow, then miracles start to happen. Amen. Amen. You're going to get out early tonight, but I have one last passage of scripture. And you can come to the piano, Sister Cariana. John 21, 5 through 6. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And mind you, they were in, this is Peter and the disciples, they were in the, the um, sea, and they were fishing. They'd been fishing all night. They hadn't caught any fish. And uh, Jesus come unto them, come to them, and he said, You caught any fish? You have any meat? And they said, No, we don't have any meat. Next verse, and he said unto them, cast ye the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast, um, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. See, go back. It's, it's unique that he said net, because when I'm fishing, I want to cast out just one lure when I'm bass fishing. And if I'm really wanting to catch a big bass, I'll get that bright and shiny spinnerbait, and I'll throw it right under there, and maybe I can hook that big old bass that will win the tournament or whatever. But you see, when you're praying for a revival, you don't get to pick who you catch. You don't get to pick if you catch the mayor or the most rich guy in the, in the community. You just, you just were sent, Jesus was sent to seek and to save that which was lost. It didn't matter who it was. And the unique thing about a net is that it's not one lure. It's a whole big circle that it encompasses. And the thing about a net is it's inter interwoven and interlocked. It's fitly joined together. It's like the fivefold ministry. 
you have to have it all in order to see the greatest revival. And it's the same way in the church. When I get a hold to my brother, and when I it's like a net. And Jesus will cast it over the side of the boat into the flow. And if you want to see the greatest power and the greatest revival you've ever seen, you ought to grab, you, you ought to grab the hand of a friend or a loved one next to you and say, let's go to the flow. Let's go to the flow. Let's go to the flow. Let's get in the flow. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it alone. Let's go to the flow together. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. I challenge us tonight as we would we would begin to link up one with another and pray one with another. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, it's like a net. It's like a net. Oh Jesus, cast us out. We want to see revival. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Bind us together with cords that are not easily broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Find us together. We can make it together. We can do it together. We can do it together. Hallelujah. Don't go to the flow by yourself. Don't go to the flow by yourself. Grab a loved one. Grab a friend. Grab a saint of God and say, let's go to the flow. Let's see revival break out. Let's see it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is here. He wants to minister to a heart tonight. He wants to minister to your spirit tonight. Go to the flow tonight. 